Hi, this is David and Barbie Cooper. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's always a privilege to share this time with you. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. And for more information and resources to help you grow in your walk with the Lord, go to malparent.com. Thank you for your generous support. It helps the ministry greatly. I want to talk to you today about being heavenly minded from the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 24. It's been said that some people are so heavenly minded, they are no earthly good. However, the person who was the most heavenly minded did the greatest earthly good. That's Jesus. Jesus spoke often of the kingdom of heaven. He taught us to pray our father who is in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The word heaven appears a hundred times in the teachings of Jesus in the gospel. Heaven is our eternal home. What will we find when we get to heaven? The book of Hebrews gives us a glimpse into heaven. Now, when we think about heaven, it helps us live heavenly lives, spiritual lives here on earth. I know we live in this world. Our feet are planted firmly on the soil of this earth. And yet we are eternal beings. We have an eternal spirit and God has promised us heaven. And when we think about heaven and what it means to us, it changes the way that we look and live at this life. We begin to look through heavenly eyes. We have a spiritual perspective, even in an earthly world. We have an eternal perspective. In a temporary world, that's what I mean by heavenly minded, living to this earth, focus on earth, but always having our mind about in heaven and thinking about how we are serving the will of God in heaven. You know, the Bible says in Philippians chapter three, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. So we're citizens here of this country, many of you around the world, citizens where you live, but we are all as Christian citizens of heaven. And we're called to be heavenly minded, even in this life, to always have a spiritual view even in this world. Now, the writer of Hebrews begins to talk to us about heaven and some of the things that we see in heaven, some of the things that exist in heaven. He writes, but you have come to Mount Zion. Now, that was the hill where Jerusalem was built in the city of Jerusalem. He's making an analogy. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. Now the writer here is contrasting this with the Old Testament worship when the people of Israel came to Mount Sinai and the law of God came and the voice of God sounded like a trumpet. But he says, now you come to Mount Zion and your worship, even when we worship in this world, we're connected to the worship in heaven. So what is heaven? What do we find there? What is it like in this place called heaven? Well, first of all, is the city of God. While there are 1,200 different cities mentioned in the Bible, the greatest is Mount Zion, the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem. You see, there's an earthly Jerusalem, but there's a heavenly Jerusalem. John the Revelator saw a vision of a new heaven and a new earth. And he says in Revelation 21, 
I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. He talks about the 12 gates that are made of single pearls, the 12 foundations garnished with these precious stones, with the names of the apostles and prophets. He talks about streets looking as if they were pure gold. They looked clear as crystal. The wealth of gold, the clarity of a diamond. He talks about the no need for a temple because the Lord God is the temple. No need for the light of the sun or the moon for the Lord God and the Lamb or the light of the city. He sees the throne of God in Revelation. He sees a great river flowing from the throne, the river of life. He sees the trees on the banks of the river, the tree of life that we see in the Garden of Eden, bearing fruit and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. In this vision, he's getting a glimpse of eternality. He's getting a glimpse of heaven and all of these images speak spiritual truth. You see, there is a great city of God in heaven. And we are citizens of that city. Now, I grew up here in the city of Atlanta. I'm not a country boy. I'm a city guy. I've been in the city all my life, in the city limits. It's a great city. It's a wonderful city. But you see, I'm also from a heavenly city. I live my life as though I'm a citizen of the city of the living God, We also come to heaven to see thousands of angels in joyful assembly. C.S. Lewis, the great author, said that joy is the serious business of heaven. That's about as serious as it gets in heaven. We live in serious times and there are a lot of serious issues we face. But I'll tell you, when you get to heaven, joy is the theme of heaven. And he says, when you come to heaven, you're going to see thousands upon thousands of angels In joyful assembly, that's what the word church means. It means an assembly, a gathering of God's people. That's why we gather for worship. And that's what you see in heaven. And the angels sing praise to God. They declare the glory of God. Luke chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus said, there's more rejoicing in heaven from the angels over one sinner who comes to repentance than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. He describes angels in joyful worship for every person that accepts Christ as their Savior. The Bible tells us that angels worship around the throne of God in heaven. Isaiah, the prophet, in Isaiah 6, verse 1 and following, says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he saw the seraphs, the angels of God, and they sang, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In Revelation chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, John said he was caught up to heaven and saw the throne of God and God sitting upon the throne. And then he saw the angels of God around the throne and the 24 elders. 24 represents 12 plus 12, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles in the New Testament. They represent all the believers, all the people of God in both Old and New Testament. And they sing songs of worship. You are worthy, O Lord to receive glory and honor and power and praise for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being, Revelation 4, verse 11. So he says in heaven, heaven is the city of the living God. Heaven is a place where thousands upon thousands of angels gather in joyful assembly. And when we gather as the church on earth, we need to be gathered for a joyful assembly, not a solemn assembly. A joyful The Lord's day is a day of great celebration and Christian worship is a time of rejoicing. 
in heaven. We also see the church of the firstborn. Think about that. The people of God are in heaven. Believers go to heaven when they experience physical death. This past weekend, I was able to speak, preach the gospel at the funeral of one of the great men of our church had been a leader for many years. As we gathered out in the foyer after the service, his wife, who's a great Bible teacher, she said, tell me, do Christians go to heaven the moment they die? I said, yes, they do. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 8, to be absent from the body is, in that very moment, to be present with the Lord. She said, I thought so. I appreciate you telling me that. She said, you know, I just heard something recently that maybe we didn't go to heaven at first, that we waited somewhere and some kind of a soul sleep. I said, no, that's not true. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says that in heaven, there is the church of the firstborn. There's a church on earth. Now the word firstborn is a reference to Jesus because the inheritance of a family came to the firstborn. He's the first one to rise from the dead. That's why he's called the firstborn because you and I share in that resurrection grace. That's why he's called the firstborn from among the dead in Colossians 1 and 18. We too, following his example, will rise from this life to eternal life because of Jesus. Jesus promises in John 14, 19, because I live, you shall live also. So in heaven, there's the church of the firstborn, the souls of those who live from the dawn of time, worshipers of the living God are gathered in heaven. But also we learn here in Hebrews that God himself resides in heaven. He says, you've come to God, the judge of all. You know, we will see our God, our heavenly father face to face one day. That's what Paul means when he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Now we see through a glass dimly, but then we will see face to face. You know, all of our insights into spiritual things is kind of like looking through a a dimly lit light. We don't see clearly all the great spiritual mysteries. But when we get to heaven, we're going to see God face to face. We're going to know and understand everything. Revelation 22 and 4, when he sees that vision of the new Jerusalem, the new city of God and the new heaven, the new earth, he says his servants, speaking of God on the throne, he says his servants will serve. The word serve means worship. His servants will worship him and they will see his face. Think about that. You and I will see the face of God. When Moses was on Mount Sinai, he said, Lord, show me your glory. And God said, no man, no woman can see my face and live. And so God veiled his presence. Moses caught a glimpse of God. But in heaven, we see God face to face. That means we have a full relationship. Think of that, seeing God face to face. He's the only true judge. He says here that God is the judge of all. The only one who can analyze the human heart is God. The only one who knows the real issues of our lives is God. Only God has the right and the authority and the purity and the love to judge, to evaluate. That's what that word judge means. It doesn't mean to condemn. Judge means to evaluate. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, It is appointed unto mankind once to die, and after that the judgment and evaluation of our lives. But we have no fear of judgment as Christians, because we are righteous in his sight through Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5 and 21 said that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. When we confess our sins, we're forgiven. God doesn't see our sins. He sees the garment of the righteousness of Jesus on us. 
First John 4, 17 says, we have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. We are like Jesus. We have been forgiven and cleansed and the righteousness of Christ is ours. It also tells us that God's people are in heaven. He calls us the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You see, we have a body, a soul, a mind, but we're also a living spirit. And our spirit or soul goes to heaven the moment of our departure from this life. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7 says that when we die physically, the body returns to the dust from which it came and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, he said, I'm torn between the two to depart from this world and to be present with Christ in heaven or to remain with you where I can be a blessing to you. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He understood the reality of heaven, that even heaven is a gain for the greatness of this life. To live as Christ in this life, to die is not a loss, it's a gain. So we come to the spirits of just people, righteous people, made perfect. Look at that word perfect. That speaks of the perfect finished work of Christ on the cross. That's our perfection. The word is used in Hebrews 11, verse 40. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they, that is the Old Testament believers, be made perfect. The plan of God complete, perfected in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. God's plan of salvation for all humanity was finished at the work of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. You see, we learn here that Jesus makes heaven possible because the last thing we find in heaven from the book of Hebrews chapter 12 is we find Jesus in heaven. Now, when Stephen died for his faith, the first martyr of the church, he was stoned in the streets of Jerusalem. The Bible said he looked up to heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God to welcome him home, according to Acts 7, verse 55 and 56, which is fascinating because it tells us that Jesus sat down at the right hand of God in the book of Hebrews. He finished the work of completion. But when Stephen saw him in the last moments of his life, he saw a vision of heaven. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God as as if Jesus stood up from his place to welcome Stephen home. Think about that's what dying is really like. Jesus stands up to welcome you home. Heaven is possible because Jesus is there. It calls him here in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, the mediator of a new covenant based on the atoning power of his blood, his sacrificial life. Jesus is the only mediator. Notice the word the in front of mediator, not a mediator, He's the mediator. First Timothy chapter two, verse five says, there's one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. It tells us here that the blood of Jesus in heaven speaks on our behalf. What does that mean? In the Old Testament, when Cain killed Abel, it says that his blood cried to God from the ground for justice. So we find an analogy. Over time, Abel's blood just sank into the soil. It died on the earth. Though here the writer of Hebrews uses an analogy to that story. Abel's blood remained in the earth, but Jesus sprinkled his blood on the altar of God in heaven. And his blood always speaks on our behalf. His blood is a cleansing, atoning, covering blood. The blood speaks of his sacrificial life on the cross, his death for our sins. On our behalf, our mediator, Jesus gave his life on our behalf. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And that blood always speaks on our behalf. It's a living, eternal blood that guarantees us heaven is our home. 
The book of Revelation sees this worship of heaven and he says, and they sang a new song, you are worthy because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased people for God from every tribe, language and people and nation. This world is an amazing place. I live every day with joy. I love every day that I live. I love my family, my friends, and my church. I've enjoyed life from the moment I showed up. I enjoy every day. And yet I realize that as great as this life is, as abundant as this life is, there's also an eternal life. So we can live heavenly-minded, even in an earthly existence. Some people think this is all there is, time and space and matter, but that's not true. God is spirit. The spiritual world is just as real as the natural world. And heaven is our home. So think often of heaven today. Your family, your friends maybe, that have already left this world, they're in heaven. Think about them. Think about these scenes. These, just, these are just little glimpses of what really heaven is about. The city of God, the church of the firstborn, the spirits and souls of the righteous made perfect in Christ. Jesus, the mediator of a new and covenant, the living God, our heavenly father, whom we will see face to face. Heaven is our ultimate home. Today, our citizenship is in heaven. And Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. Let's join together in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the promise of the word and just these scenes of heaven, these glimpses, these images of the reality of heaven. I pray that the assurance of heaven, the hope of heaven, will belong to everyone who's listening to the Word of God being taught today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining me. What a rich study the book of Hebrews is. I think you could spend your whole life studying the book of Hebrews. I know we're just sharing highlights, but it's amazing, the insights of this great book. Dig Deep goes on demand every week, 15 minutes that'll change your life. Make sure you're letting other people in on the secret. Get them to subscribe to Dig Deep, studying the Word of God with us as well. Sunday's coming. I look forward to seeing you in worship on campus or online. Make sure that you download the Mount Parent app today. There's so many great resources available for you and your family. All the exciting events and services that are coming up for the entire family as well. Share the Mount Parent app with your family and friends. They'll be blessed by participating in the Mount Parent Ministries. I want to thank you for your gracious, generous, and faithful support of the Mount Perry Ministries as we continue to give the world hope in Christ. You are a blessing to the kingdom of God. Thank you for all you do. I love you. I'm praying for you. God bless you. Have a great week. I trust the message has been an encouragement to you today. Remember to follow us on social media and connect with us at mountperrin.com. I'll see you right here next week for a fresh message from God's Word.